Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and of course, everything in between. I know it's been a minute. My schedule's just all over the place. Just bear with me. I promise we'll get some more up at some point in time. Spooky season's right around the corner, so hopefully I'll get some more motivation and time to do some more episodes. But today we got something out of Jaws, sort of. It's another shark-related one. I know I've done a few of these lately, but uh, this one is about a woman called Michelle von Emster. Her body was found in April of 1994. But what happened to her? Was it a shark attack? Was it a murder? Was it foul play? Was it an accident? Well, well, let's find out, shall we? This is the case of Michelle von Emster. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Way back in April of 1994, on a Friday, to be specific, even more specific, April 15th, two surfers near Sunset Cliffs in San Diego, California, noticed a huge mass of something beached in the sand nearby. Now, naturally, these two surfer bros went up to investigate, and what they found was the naked body of a 25-year-old woman face down in a massive bed of kelp. And you guessed it, that woman was Michelle von Emster. Naturally, they called the authorities, and the body was immediately taken to a nearby lifeguard headquarters. Now, upon first examination, the medical examiner found that there were two large chunks torn from her leg. Her right leg, specifically, these pieces of flesh were ripped clean off. Now, the first thing that comes to mind in a situation like this is that the woman was the victim of a shark attack. As rare as they are, they do happen from time to time. However, the case wasn't as open and shut as it appears. Upon completing the formal autopsy, the medical examiner came up with the following timeline for the horrific events that occurred. Michelle was last seen alive at around 8pm, and it's assumed that she entered the water sometime around 12am. Shortly after Michelle entered the waters of the Pacific, she was attacked by a great white shark, presumably. The violent shark attack forced Michelle to the ocean floor where she sustained a broken neck and ingested copious amounts of sand. She ultimately died from blood loss and drowning. It all seems pretty plausible, right? Well, maybe not. There's always a twist to these cases. So let's just get into the autopsy a little bit more. Despite the torn chunks of flesh, the missing right leg, and the body being found washed ashore at the beach, injuries and events that might indicate a shark attack, the coroner at the lifeguard headquarters noted that their cause of death was unknown. That's a little suspicious, isn't it? Well, the next day, on April 16th, an autopsy was officially performed by the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office. In addition to the large tearing flesh wounds and the missing right leg, the victim also sustained the following injuries, broken neck, broken ribs, facial scrapes, bruises and contusions, and substantial amounts of sand lodged in her mouth, throat, lungs, and stomach. Now, a shark does not do that, doesn't stuff somebody's mouth full of sand before it kills them or eats them or whatever, and it would probably have eaten her almost completely. You'd have to imagine anyway, it's a great white shark, it's not killing for fun, it's killing for food. Now the medical examiner further found that Michelle had been alive when the injuries were inflicted upon her. 
hence why there were things found in her lungs. The only way things can get in your lungs is if you are breathing. The tube doesn't really go down there, I don't think, unless it's being used. That is my most basic breakdown of human anatomy that I can possibly do. The tube doesn't work if you're not live. <laughs> anyway, this time around the Emmy concluded that Michelle died from her injuries, rather than from the shark attack and the ultimate drowning. However, there always are people who are going to cast doubts on some of the findings. There are a couple of issues that caused experts to doubt the medical examiner's official findings that Michelle had been killed by a shark attack, beginning with the issues that the medical examiner found. So let's just have a look. Brian Blackburn was the San Diego medical examiner on the case, and at the time, Blackburn autopsies Michelle's body. He had never encountered a shark attack victim before. As I said, they're very rare. In fact, no one who saw the body had ever seen a shark attack victim in the flesh. Pardon the pun. In his defense, though, Blackburn did contact experts at the nearby Scripps Institute of Oceanography in order to gain more information about shark attack victims, but they never really saw the body. Ralph Collier, a leading shark expert who spent 54 years at the Shark Research Committee and who now heads the Global Shark Attack File, disagrees with Blackburn's findings. After seeing the remains of Michelle's leg bone, Collier stated, quote, while a shark bites off part of a limb, it breaks it clean, almost like you put it through a table saw. What remained of Michelle's femur was anything but. It looked like what happens when you get a piece of bamboo and whittle it down to a point with a knife. I've looked at close to 100 photos of cases that I've reviewed over the years and I've never seen any bones that came to a point. To Blackburn's explanation about the severed leg and the sand being present in Michelle's body, Collier further stated, quote, the damage would have severed her femoral artery and she would have bled to death very quickly. But for her to have sand in her stomach, she would have had to take a big gulping breath as she made contact with the sand. There are too many things in this case that are not consistent with white shark behavior. Richard Rosenblatt, chairman of the Scripps Institute for Oceanography, also disagrees with Blackburn's findings. After receiving the measurements of Michelle's wounds, Rosenblatt stated, quote, None of the marks on Michelle's body were caused by a white shark. If she had been bitten by a white shark, they most likely would have also found a great white tooth broken off in her body. Additionally, Rosenblatt stated, quote, If a shark had taken her leg, it could only have been taken by a white shark. As we already know, no great white teeth were found in Michelle's body. However, there were multiple bite marks left by blue sharks, and we know they definitely fed on Michelle's body. A local pathologist found there were no evidence to suggest bites occurred before death. So if it wasn't a shark, well, what was it? The greatest hunter of all? Man? Or maybe just an accident? Well, let's take a look. Somebody else did. About 14 years later. Now, because of all the contradictory evidence against the case, Michelle von Emster was given a re-examination in 2008. This time around, medical examiner Glenn Wagner concluded that sharks have scavenged Michelle's body after her death. So let's take that in for a moment. If an expert stated that only a great white shark could have taken Michelle's leg and several experts have agreed that this was not a great white shark attack, then isn't there something more believable that happened and that this wasn't a shark attack at all? It's almost like one of those fake IQ test riddle things. Well, if Steve is black and Mike is blue, and all Mikes are blue, and all Steves are black, therefore all blacks are Steves, and all Steves are blues. Something like that, right? Like, that's how, that's how that sounds to me. Anyway, 
If we are able to follow the logic here, and we believe that the young woman was indeed not attacked by a shark, well then what the hell happened to Michelle Von Emster? And this podcast would not be complete without alternate theories. There are a few other theories that have been proposed, such as the midnight swim. Michelle Von Emster went for a midnight swim during which she got caught in a riptide and her body was violently knocked against the rocks. This would explain how she sustained many of her injuries and was later fed on by blue sharks once her body was submerged into the ocean. This theory, or anything like the theory that Michelle had gone for a midnight swim, seems unlikely for a couple of reasons. The water that night was 59 degrees, and for most people that would be too cold to go for a swim. Personally, I don't get into a pool unless it's like 85. The night air was about 57 degrees, which again is cold for especially California. So not many people would be going for a midnight swim unless they were kind of like an adrenaline junkie or desperate for a swim. We can confidently draw the conclusion that Michelle was cold averse because she was last seen at 8pm and she was wearing a very large coat. And this also doesn't explain the missing leg with the altered bone as almost like somebody filed it down. Remember it was shaved off almost to a point like a spearhead. Theory number two is that Michelle died as a result of an unfortunate tumble from Sunset Cliffs. The area is known for having deteriorating sandstone, I hate that word, deteriorating, it's so hard to fucking say, and previous deaths have occurred when victims have fallen from the cliffs. She received the injuries as a result of a fall or a push, or a vehicle could have forced her off the side of a cliff. This theory does seem plausible at first, but upon second look there are just a few holes. She could have sustained the broken neck and bruises from a fall, sure, but it's not likely that her leg would have been torn off by such a tumble off the cliff. It would have been a one in a million chance that her leg just happened to catch a couple of maybe razor sharp rocks shaped like a triangle or an inverted triangle on the way down and maybe just sawed it clean off. Possibly. Very unlikely though. Human anatomy doesn't really just tend to clean tear like that. Another theory is that Michelle was the victim of murder. Was Michelle von Emster hurt by someone who maybe left her out there to die in the Pacific or even drowned her? One of the experts did mention the young woman would have had to take huge gulps in order to ingest so much sand, which could have happened at the shoreline as someone drowned her, somebody holding their face down into the where the tide comes in, at the shoreline. You know that the sand is heavy and wet all the time. It does seem like this is the most likely scenario. There's a few reasons here as to why. Namely, Michelle von Emster lived in a sketchy, drug-riddled neighborhood that was nicknamed the War Zone. Any number of things could have happened to her there, and her body could have been dumped at the cliffs. There is no rational explanation for why Michelle's body was found naked. How could a shark victim, cliff fall victim, or accidental drowning victim wind up naked? Unless she was skinny dipping. Which, I mean, we've all been there, we've all done that, it's a little fun, it's kinda exciting, even if you're by yourself, it's the risk of getting caught, the naughtiness of it, I guess, I don't know. That's a possibility, she could very well have gone skinny dipping. Michelle's purse was also found, however, in the sand in a heavily trafficked area, about two and a half miles away from her body. The purse contained keys and money, and it would have been highly unlikely that no one spotted the purse for 24 hours. Someone could have murdered her and then planted the purse to make it appear like an accident. But, how can you have a murderer without a person of interest? At least one person of interest, somebody who said under their breath one day, Fuck that girl. Oh man, she dumped me, or she turned me down, I'm gonna fucking get her, I'm gonna kill her. something like that. Well, enter Edwin Decker, and he was a co-worker of Michelle's. One question, Decker claimed Michelle had a quote-unquote hippie vibe and liked to surf naked. Hmm, 
However, none of her friends agreed with this, and none of the lifeguards ever recalled seeing Michelle surf or even swim naked. Which, I mean, you probably wouldn't see her swim naked unless it's a nudist beach, which I, I could have been. I don't know. I should look that up. But regardless, you're not going to see her swim naked unless you're spying on her in the middle of the night sort of thing. Though, this strange accusation that Michelle liked to surf naked would be a convenient explanation for why the woman's body was found naked, presumably a detail that not many people knew, and if the murderer was trying to, you know, divert attention away from himself, well, that would be a good way to do it. He knows some details, oh yeah, yeah, she was totally found naked, I know that, nobody else knows that, but I know that, so maybe if I go, hey, she liked to swim naked, or nudist, or just an exhibitionist of some kind. I can get away with saying that, and that way, they know why her body was found the way it was. It's kind of clever, but it also kind of gives away your hand a little bit. Decker further claimed that he and Michelle had gone out together and had been flirting with each other for a few weeks. He says he believed the two shared an emotional and intellectual bond and went on to say, quote, at least on my part. Upon learning that Michelle was dead, he published the following poem, so get ready for murder poem number one. The report said there was a tattoo, a butterfly on her shoulder, which I remembered that night on my couch when I, like the shark, chewed on her lips and took off her shirt. Creepy. It's a weird, that's a shitty poem, but it's fucking creepy too. Now I do have to mention that it was Decker who asked the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office to reevaluate the case in 2008. If you were the person who killed her, would you really want to get that case reopened? Probably not. But again, it's a good tactic to throw the police off. One thing a lot of killers tend to do is get a little too involved in the case. Oh yeah, I can help. I'd love to help. I want to get involved. I want to find out who killed my friend. But it was you. And you think by being close to the case that you're actually sending yourself further away from the case. But a lot of people see that as very, very suspicious. Person of interest number two was also a former employee of a local coffee shop. While working there, an unknown man constantly stalked the young woman. In fact, she left her job at the coffee shop because of this man. His name is unknown to the young woman, but she did know that he rode a motorcycle. She left the job at the coffee shop to go work in an office supply store where she thought she would escape her stalker. Denise Knox. Michelle's former boss stated that shortly after Michelle's death, a weird man came into the store and made several copies of the woman's autopsy report. Knox further stated that the man rode away from the store on a motorcycle. Now let's fast forward just a little bit to 2021, where the Shark Files podcast released an episode about Michelle Von Emster. About a year later, the host of the podcast revisited the case in a blog post after coming across an article from 2019 written by Michelle's sister, Teresa Cologne. A mental health advocate. In the heartbreaking article, Cologne outlines the abuse Michelle suffered at the hands of serial pedophile priest Greg Ingalls, along with the Catholic Church's subsequent cover-up. Michelle's descent into lifelong addiction and mental issues, and the devastation of Michelle and Teresa's family. In the blog post, the podcast host writes that Cologne appears to have edited a wiki article and left the following comments. Quote, Updated details about my sister's death. No mystery on this one. And in a related Reddit post by the podcast host, a commenter replied, The person who edited the page also added another line. After investigation, the family knows the true cause of death and has chosen to keep the details private. Now, it's unclear if the Wikipedia page about Michelle even exists anymore, but it was eventually removed at the request of the Von Emster family. 
and upon doing research for this particular episode, I came across a very, very brief article about this case. It was like a paragraph long, and that was on Wikipedia as well. In the end, the public may never know truly what happened to Michelle von Emster. If the details were released to the family and they wish to keep it private, that is totally their prerogative and nobody should go prying for more details. If it were a murder, then I think we would all know that somebody was in custody and that there wouldn't be much of a secret. So it sounds like Michelle may have taken her own life based on what her sister had said in that article. We don't know though. But that does bring us to a good point here. If you or anybody you know has mental illnesses and suffer from these demons that say, hey, maybe you shouldn't be around anymore, it's time to help quiet those demons and call any helpline that you can for some help. Talk to somebody, a friend, therapist, social worker, cops, whoever. Just get some help, man. We've all been there. I've had a rough go of things last year or so, so I understand. But stay strong. I know you got it in you to carry on. There are people who love you. Trust me on that. But that does bring us to the end of the episode this week. My name is Casey, and if you did enjoy what you heard on the Ominous Origins podcast, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, or leave a five-star rating on Spotify. Somebody did that recently, so thank you very, very much. And if you do leave any of those things, try to reach out to me somewhere, somehow, send me a message or an email or something, and I will give you a shout-out on the show. But that's all I got for you this week, so until next time.